BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Friends and neighbors, and welcome back to the Bill Press Pod, where we meet a couple of times a week to dive into the big issues of the day. So far, among other topics, we've examined gun control, impeachment, the economy, religious liberty, foreign policy, and important leadership initiatives taken by our nation's governors, especially those Democratic governors. Yet, ironically, we haven't yet tackled what may be the most important issue of all to American voters, the issue of health care. It was definitely the most critical issue in the 2018 midterm elections, Will that also be the case in 2020? Well, let's find out. Today's guest, Brad Woodhouse, former communications director for the Democratic National Committee and now executive director of Protect Our Care, an organization dedicated to fighting to protect health care for millions of Americans. Brad Woodhouse, good to see you. Hey, thank you, Bill. As Thanks for having me. As always. On the pod. On the pod, the Bill Press pod. So let me ask you this it, pretty clearly. Uh, healthcare was the number one issue in 2018. Yeah, yeah. And Democrats picked up 45 congressional seats. Is healthcare going to be the number one issue in 2020? Well, so far, every poll that we've conducted and almost every poll that we've seen uh, has said that it is. Now, you'll have moments, as you should right now, where we're having a debate about guns and gun safety and um, and race and and fanning the flames of of these violent events where where that will really pop. But healthcare is the steady steady issue, and you know we saw it in 2018. It really rose up as a result of the effort uh, of President Trump and Republicans to repeal the Affordable Care Act. It has it has really maintained that, and it's partly because it is a really important economic issue uh, for people. It is the part of people's personal economies where they feel the most strain, where they're paying high out-of-cost uh, costs for health care, uh, and they're also paying high costs for prescription drugs. Right. In terms of the cost, um, I saw a figure the other day where the average cost per capita in this country is about $9,400, mm -hmm. which is more than double mm -hmm. what it is for such backward countries as Canada or Germany <laughs> right. or France or Switzerland, or Spain, right. or the Netherlands. Why? So it looks like we are spending more and getting less. We are, and and that is a significant thing that we need to do. That we need to do something about. And it was one thing that the Affordable Care Act didn't do enough of, which was to get control, uh, get control of the cost. Now there are things going on, on Capitol Hill right now, even bipartisan things, to help some. One of which is ending the surprise medical bill. So the, the, the cost that people are paying when they go to the hospital and it happens to be, it happens to be out of network or when they go to the emergency room and it, uh, and it happens to be out of network. We think on an immediate time frame, 
that Congress, and this obviously won't happen with Mitch McConnell and his legislative graveyard, we should think that they should raise uh, the the premium subsidies above uh, 400% of poverty and increase the size of the subsidies for people below uh, 400% of poverty. Of course, it would help uh, if if Medicaid had been expanded in, in every state. So, a greater number of people had access to that coverage at a uh, at a lower at a lower cost. So even in the confines, and of course the presidential debate on our side, on the Democratic side, is having a debate about coverage, Medicare for all, Medicare option. But even in the confines of the current law or the current structure of the Affordable Care Act, there's a lot that could be done uh, to address cost. But Republicans and President Trump are too busy trying to rip apart American health care to actually see that there are things that could be done uh, to help people in the immediate time frame uh, like the like the subsidies and and Medicaid expansion. Well, as, as, in fact, the president says every time he turns around. The Affordable Care Act is dead. Of course, he calls it Obamacare right. is dead. Right. Obamacare is right. dead. I killed it. Right. Right. Is it dead? It's it, not at all. And in fact, it has. The, the the resiliency of the Affordable Care Act is really, I think, an untold uh, an untold story. I mean, it has survived every attempt that he has made to disrupt the marketplace, to uh, to repeal the law. Obviously, repeal was not uh, was not successful. Now they have definitely harmed American health care. I mean, they they have harmed it, and they're trying to harm it. They've undermined open enrollment, which we think has has held enrollment numbers uh, down. They have been uh, they have tried to adopt rules to discourage people from staying on or signing up for, Didn't they for cut Medicaid. The, the advertising so that they cut the know. advertising. They cut they so cut people the would outreach. know this is the right, time to right, right. sign up. They, they yes, they, they cut the advertising budget by 90 percent. They cut the outreach budget. They don't have as many navigators going out to help the groups that are uh, on the ground in the states that shorten are signing the people period. up. They shorten the time period. They've, uh, they've, they shut down the website inexplicably on Sundays for some reason, like people don't shop on Sundays online. Um, and so, you know, and, and they have systematically done all of these things. Yet, with that said, there are still 130 million Americans that have pre-existing conditions that have some level of protection and assurance because the Affordable Care Act says, Insurance companies can't discriminate against people any longer with pre-existing conditions. You have 20 million people who have uh, gained uh, health care coverage through uh, through the Affordable Care Act. Women are treated more fairly. Reproductive rights are, are treated more fairly. Contraception is treated, you know, is treated more fairly. Kids are on their on their parents' uh, policies, and so you know, the donut hole for seniors uh, in Medicare Part D. Uh, is closing or has been closed, and so there are so many benefits uh, that that are still there despite what the president has tried to do. That said, there are millions of people uh, uninsured now that were insured, uh, or the number of people uh, uninsured has risen during this uh, during this administration because of their sabotage. But the law is still there. The protections in the law are, are still there. The requirement that insurance companies spend 85% uh, of their revenue on on benefits and coverage is still there. Can people still sign up? For oh, yeah, they can care. still sign up. There'll be marketplaces uh, are marketplaces still, open. still open. There'll be an open enrollment period. I believe it will run again this year from November 1st, roughly November 1st to December 
uh, to December 15th. But, you know, um, there have to be people need to make themselves aware of that. We, we're really always encouraging uh, supporters of this law, Democratic lawmakers. We would encourage Republican lawmakers too uh, to make sure their constituents know uh, about the open enrollment period. We have funded some uh, private uh, nonprofit open enrollment efforts, and we'll, we'll be responsible for funding some of that. But there's no replacement for what the Department of Health and Human Services uh, could do or is supposed to do or did do in the Obama years uh, in terms of letting people know uh, that they can sign up and that, that many of them can sign up at virtually no cost, that they'll, they'll qualify uh, for a premium subsidy. So you mentioned a couple of times uh, pre-existing conditions. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump says he's totally on the side of people with pre-existing conditions. He'll do everything to protect them and make sure that they have that protection. Shocker. He's a liar. I mean, it, that is that is a ball-faced lie. It is it, it is not true. Uh, first of all, if you're going to require uh, insurance companies uh, to cover people with pre-existing conditions and not charge them more and not kick them off uh, their their coverage when they when they get sick or when they need it, you have to have something like the Affordable Care Act in place that incentivizes insurance companies and makes them whole for providing look insurance companies had their way and they did up until the affordable care act they they provide coverage to the healthiest people they they could and then they charged sicker people more or refused to cover them because they're in the business of they're in the business of making money the affordable care act said look we're going to provide subsidies we're going to expand the marketplace we're going to expand medicaid we're going to get you more customers but you've got to cover people with pre-existing conditions you can't charge them more and you can't deny them them covered. So Republicans just say that they'll get rid of the Affordable Care Act, but they'll wave a magic wand uh, and cover people with pre-existing conditions. Unless they put something like the Affordable Care Act back in its place, it's impossible, number one. Number two, I don't believe that they actually want to do it. They're in a political bind because this last election, they lost the House on health care, and the number one health care issue going into the election was pre-existing conditions. And so now they just feel like they have to say something. But all of their policies, including this Texas lawsuit, imperils those protections. I was just going to say, at the time that they are promising to protect people with pre-existing conditions, mm -hmm. the Trump administration is in court. In court. With several state attorneys general. Yep, yep. To nullify the entire. The entire law. Every single word and comma. that they, they want to declare the law unconstitutional which would get rid of the entire law. It wouldn't keep in place the parts that they say that they like or the parts that they claim that they want uh, to continue to continue to help people. It would get rid of it would get rid of the entire law. So you can't plus the repeal, every repeal bill they ever brought, the one that passed the House, uh, the one that John McCain voted down uh, in the Senate and the one that came later that they couldn't get enough, Graham Cassidy, they couldn't get enough votes for. All of them would have gotten rid of these uh, protections, they would not have been in place any longer. So the only reason you hear Donald Trump saying that is he's trying to get right on health care so he doesn't, it's not a losing issue for him in the next election. It's not because he believes any of this. What does it tell you that during the campaign, candidate Donald Trump said, day one, I'm going to kill Obamacare, yeah. get rid of Obamacare. Day one, yep, yep. Obamacare. Here we are. Plus two plus years yeah. into the Trump administration, and as you just pointed out, it may not be doing as well as it was yeah. under President Obama. But the Affordable Care Act 
is still there. Still there. It's still, still there. protecting people. Even in this yeah. weakened state, it's still protecting people. Why couldn't they get rid of it? What does that well, tell Well, you? first of all, just remind you, on day one, um, I believe it was on the day of his inauguration. It may have been on the next day. His very first executive order he signed was direct. This is one of these BS things that that really had probably no force of law. But he he signed an executive order telling his cabinet agencies to begin dismantling Obamacare. It was the very first thing he did did as president. And I believe the reason that they have failed is. A prediction that a lot of us made in 20, 2009, 2010, we were trying to get it passed, that took too long to come to fruition, which was once it was fully implemented and once people learned what benefits they were getting, that they, they got additional uh, coverage, that they had pre-existing conditions covered, that they would appreciate the benefits from the law and it would become more popular than less popular. Now, that didn't happen right away. First of all, as you know, yeah. the affordable, very few of the benefits of the Affordable Care Act took place in the immediate aftermath of its uh, of its passage. And then, of course, we had uh, the unfortunate situation with the website, the first uh, the first open uh, the first open enrollment. So it, it took a lot longer uh, for people to begin to benefit. And then I think some people um, some people were benefiting from the Affordable Care Act and didn't even know it. They didn't realize that, that the insurance companies were now forced to cover them or their families that had pre-existing conditions. Um, but then I think they clued in when it became under real threat. Yeah. When the House passed their version and they went up the lawn with the president and celebrated and people realized, oh, my God, this could really go away, they rose up. Right. Now, there are those, as, as no matter how good Obamacare is, yeah. there are those critics, and I'm one of them, mm -hmm. that Obamacare doesn't do enough, doesn't right. go far enough. There are too many, still yeah. millions of Americans, tens of millions of Americans who are not covered, yeah. doesn't do anything about prescription drugs. You could go on and on. Right, right. Uh, didn't have a public option. Right. Um, can Obamacare be fixed? Should it be fixed? Oh, I, well, you know, look, our position is that it should be fixed, you know, and that it can that it can be fixed and it can accomplish it can accomplish almost everything that every Democrat wants to do with respect uh, to universal coverage. And there are a lot of great ideas. Uh, there are a lot of great ideas out there and that, you know, adding you know, adding the public option, um, making a real you know, through ballot initiatives and other things, making a big run at getting the rest of the states we have. You know, 37 states uh, that have passed Medicaid expansion. We have the rest that we need uh, that we need to get done. Expanding uh, expanding the the subsidies uh, and and making more people eligible for the subsidies, and then pa uh, passing separate from either the Affordable Care Act or, or any other proposal for coverage, passing a prescription drug bill uh, that requires uh, that HHS negotiate with uh, prescription drug companies to lower the price of prescription drugs under Medicare and apply those savings to the entire market. So every consumer would benefit. You can't charge less for a Medicare uh, recipient and more for some someone else. So those things could all be done. But our major position is is that we, and this is what we're on the Hill fighting for every day, is focus on the here and now. Get a Medicare prescription uh, negotiation bill passed. The number one issue in the mind of voters right now is the high, high, as it relates to health care is the high cost of prescription drugs. Get that done. Get that passed in the House. Raise the bar for them in the in the Senate. And you know what? If they all come together and President Trump signs that into law, well, God bless America. Um, it, it may take a political issue away from us, 
but it would be the right thing to do to do for the American people. Right. Uh, and again, as you know, there are um, some candidates uh, running for president in 2020 mm-hmm. say, even so, you do all those fixes, yeah, you still yeah. got a system that is private insurance companies <coughs> yeah. there, and that's not good enough. We got to do a lot more than that. Yeah. Maybe even single payer. We're going to take a quick break. Yeah. When we come back, I'll talk to you about okay. sure. uh, what people are saying uh, yeah. for running for president for 2020 okay. ought to be done about health care. Yep. Absolutely. Again, this is the Bill Press Pod. We're talking health care today and the latest efforts of the Trump administration to kill Obamacare. Talking with Brad Woodhouse, executive director of Protect Our Care. This podcast is brought to you by one of our great labor unions in this country, the Iron Workers, under President Eric Dean, the good men and women of the Iron Workers, building America's communities from the ground up today and ready to rebuild America's infrastructure tomorrow if Donald Trump and Republicans in Congress ever live up to their campaign promise to make infrastructure a top priority. Check out their website at ironworkers.org. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we're back with uh, Brad Woodhouse from Protect uh, Our Care. Uh, Brad, as we said just before the break in 2020, every one of the candidates, whether they're 23 or 24 still, uh, <laughs> are talking in some sense, they're all talking about health care. Yeah. They may differ in what they're saying about it, but they're all talking yeah. about health care. Um, in fact, all of them are saying, using the phrase Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. What's that mean? Well, I mean, I think, look, it, it, I'll tell you this, if you were watching, I think if you were watching uh, de- uh, the second debate and, pro- and I think most importantly, the second night, you, you probably wouldn't know. I mean, it, it was very confusing. And there's they been, mean different actually, things when they say it, there's don't actually, they? Yeah, they mean different things. And there's actually been um, there's actually been some polling and some focus groups that have said p- people are really confused by this, uh, by this uh, coverage debate that we're having. And, and we look, we think it's a missed opportunity. I, I'll say a couple things. And we, we have spent a lot of time thinking about. When you say to, we, you're talking about protect, protect our, our care. care. We right. have spent a lot of time since the defeat of repeal thinking both about the substance, what is the right health care system and delivery and so forth for the American people. But we're also, all of us in this room, in our war room, we're all political operatives. We're all people who have done past campaigns, presidential campaigns, the DNC. And we've thought a lot about the a lot about the pol- you know the politics of this and and how ha- and and those politics help drive us winning uh the house in 2018 and how can we use the politics of healthcare 
to win the presidency in 2020. And one thing, and Cory Booker and Kirsten Gillibrand to some extent were the exception to this rule, but virtually no one spent time uh, in the debates either either night, but particularly on that second night, uh, talking about Trump and health care. And every one of them is going to run against, it wants to run against President Trump and make a case against an incumbent president about why that person should not be reelected. They need to spend at least as much time talking about the damage that Trump would do if he was reelected um, as they do talking about their own plans and ideas, because that's what the general election is going to look like. And it, as we've seen, and maybe one of the reasons that, that, that Joe Biden is ahead in the polls is that people want to see candidates that can beat Trump, people in the Democratic primary. So if, if all we're arguing about on health care is, you know, my Medicare for all version will get people covered more quickly than your Medicare for all version, we're letting Donald Trump off the hook. And we can't afford to let Donald Trump off the hook on health care. So the it, case they should be making against Donald Trump on yes. health care is what? Well, the case they should make is that if, that I will run against Donald Trump and expose him for the fraud he is. He said that he would, when he was running for president, that he was going to provide health care to every American at lower cost. And he's a fraud. He tried to take it away and he's continuing to try to take it away. And if he's reelected, Healthcare in this country will completely go down the tubes. Now, let me tell you what I would do. But it needs to be prefaced with that contrast. Understand in a Democratic primary or in a party primary, you have to spend a lot of time distinguishing yourself from one another. But one way that it can't, and Cory Booker did this that night, he distinguished himself from the kind of confusing and somewhat arcane argument about coverage mechanisms and he said, but wait a minute, let's talk about the Texas lawsuit and the catastrophe that would occur if that Texas law is, is successful and if Donald Trump is reelected. And, and it was a few seconds, but it was so important because if in the debate over coverage in our primary process, we lose the issue for the general election, then we would have lost maybe the most important issue. I, Chris Murphy, Senator Murphy from Connecticut, who's a great ally of ours on the Hill, I was in a meeting with him recently where he reminded folks, uh, Republicans had the advantage on health care politically, the generic advantage on health care politically, until March of 2017. I mean, that's two months after President mm -hmm. Trump was sworn in, two months after he signed an executive order saying get rid of the whole thing. They still had the generic advantage. It was hard for us to get it back. It is, it is hard to maintain, and we must maintain it. So we have to create that contrast. Right. Now, given that, yeah. let's say they make the case against Donald Trump. Yeah. You still have a difference among what they're proposing. Mm -hmm. um, very generally, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, both very close to the same thing, which is scrap Obamacare, mm -hmm. go to a, a total... Um, maybe not overnight, yeah. but to single payer. Yeah. You know, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, somewhere where let's have Obamacare, but add a public option. Mm -hmm. and gradually, more more people sign up for the public option. Yeah. Joe Biden, I guess, let's fix Obamacare. I mean, yeah. I, I, and I think right, he's now for adding a public option and, uh, and a, as well. I guess so, that's one yeah. way of fixing it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the candidates, when you hear them, you've been watching the debates, you follow yeah, very closely. Yeah. Which one has the best plan so far? 
Oh boy, you're really putting me on. Uh, you're really putting me on the you spot. You don't have to I, endorse, I mean, but who, yeah, makes, some, well, I mean, who makes the most sense on Obama on health care, rather, right now? Well, so let, let me. That's interesting the way you phrase that question on on health care versus on um, versus on the politics of health care. I mean, I definitely think on the I definitely think on the politics of health care, um, and I think the key here is to win. Yeah, the keys to win. The keys to win. The keys to win the we election. Agree on that. Um, you know what. President Obama was talking about doing uh, on health care in the campaign in the primary in 2007 and eight changed some when he became mm-hmm. when he became president. And so, you know, I think we should we should think we should think about that. Um, but I think on the politics of health care, it's closer to those who are uh, who are saying that people should have choice, that you maintain the system somewhat the way we have it now, but add a public option. And if that public option is so attractive that private insurance goes away, God bless you know, God bless America. That is closer to where um, to where the the politics is is on this. In terms of the health care, in terms of reality, is it's closer? Do you believe? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, the, our poll, our polling, we've polled Democratic primary voters, and the plurality of Democratic primary voters. Um, which is which is why it's so interesting to see a lot of fervor for single payer, which is fine, but the plurality of uh, primary voters that we've polled want to maintain and would rather maintain the current system and add something like a public option, um, or and, and and go towards universal coverage based on the current system than to scrap the current system and go for single payer Medicare for all. So just it's to, not just to jump in there, if I can. yeah, yeah, uh, the Kaiser Foundation, which. Pop- polls on healthcare yeah, yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, the most recent numbers I saw in July. Yeah. Um, 55% of Americans said they support um, expanded Affordable Care Act. Yeah. 35% support single payer. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. Is that because they I, understand it and they know one is better than the other or they don't really understand it I, and they're it, afraid of well, single payer? Well, and, and I think the... It, I. I think this is hard to poll, I, I, and I will say that even though I have polling that, that backs what our, whatever our uh, position is or what our position is, but it, it is it is very hard to poll because you know single payer does connote something different than Medicare for all. Medicare for all uh, is a little confusing because it's not just traditional Medicare. It's actually you know the way it's described or proposed is that benefits are even enhanced over um, you know over over Medicare. Um, the affordable, you know, Affordable Care Act is more popular than it's ever been. So the, to get 55, 56 yeah. percent, even against something else like single payer, uh, sounds, you know, sounds about uh, sounds about right. Um, you know, so I, I think I think it is I think it is hard. Uh, I think it is hard to poll. The one thing that we talk about all the time, though, with with reporters that get hung up on the discussion that we're having is is that in the end. Whether it's a single payer advocate that becomes the nominee, or whether it's someone who uh, wants to maintain the current system and add, you know, add a, a a public option, wants to maybe have automatic enrollment in a public in a public option uh, for people who don't have insurance, it, we still think that the general election will come down to a difference between a Democrat who wants to expand, enhance coverage, and lower cost versus a Republican whose all their policies would take away coverage 
and jack up people's costs and put it back in the hands of and private back, insurers. Put it back in the hands back completely. Back to where we were. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, there's a pretty there's a pretty strict regimen right now, and it's one of the things that is most disappointing uh, and harmful about what Trump is doing. I mean, there's a pretty strict regimen that. Uh, that insurance companies have to follow the amount of money that they have to spend, the protections that they have uh, to 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 afford to people like people that have pre-existing conditions, and then you have you have the Trump administration proposing stuff like junk plans, to so saying, well, you you know, a junk plan now, what we call a short-term limited duration plan, we call them junk, can be 364 days. Well, that's not short. These short-term plans were meant to be transitionary, where people are moving. From a job, and the, and they they buy gap coverage, and it may not have to. In the Obama years, it was no longer three months, and it may not have to subscribe to every protection afforded to by the Affordable Care Act. But they've extended it at 364 days. It can be renewed. It completely undermines the restrictions or the requirements that were placed on insurance companies. So, you know, if we if we have a a regime where insurance companies have to abide by certain benefits and protections and we have a public option where people can leave uh the private insurance market if they if they want you know that to us and we haven't endorsed any of the plans but that to us is probably closer to where to where we are but our main focus right now is on the here and now on the hill we've been pressing the house to go as big as they possibly can and we think they will this fall on drugs uh, on lowering the cost of prescription drugs bigger than what Senator Grassley did in the in the finance committee, and then to go big on an affordability package. So even something that probably will never get through the Senate or be signed by President Trump, but but expand uh, expand pass something in the House that expands subsidies that brings more people uh, above four hundred percent of poverty and and more subsidies for people below four. And while you're doing that, are you also? talking to, consulting with the candidates, Democratic candidates, about what their message ought to be? I mean, be. We, we've, we, 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 ha- we don't have a formal program for doing that. We, we all have contacts. And I was just emailing with, with somebody in one of the campaigns uh, on an issue as we, as we walked in here. So all of us that have contacts are doing, you know, are doing outreach, but not, not to endorse anybody's plan and not to ding anybody's plan. I mean, we, we're not, we're not in, in that, in that business. We, our fervent hope is to, I would not say more than anything else, but attendant with everything else is to maintain our political advantage on this issue so that we can use it as a winning issue in 2020. And we alluded a little earlier to the fact that that other very dynamic, very successful Western countries um, have hugely successful healthcare plans, cost a lot less than the United States has. Most of them are along some version of a um, Medicare for all or yeah. single payer. Yeah. Why wouldn't it work in the United States? Why? Why? I mean, why is this I, resistance? I, and I, why did we go a different way? Well, I, I think is it, I think the I don't I don't know if the if the question is whether or not could it work theoretically. I think the real question is whether or not the American people are there yet i mean we you know there are other countries that do things differently and there are also other countries that are culturally different than you know than the than the united states so you know it, it i think it's a it's a big question if a hundred and whatever millions of people uh wanted right. to give up their employer-based coverage or their or their private insurance most polls show that they don't 
Um, you know, it, but I, you know, it's hard not to agree with the sentiment that, that, that healthcare shouldn't be, that someone's healthcare shouldn't be a profit or loss issue. Right. So, and I think that's why, uh, why, um, the public option is at least part of the solution. So anyone who wants to flee a, a private insurance plan could flee a private insurance plan. What could people who really care about, let me just wind up, ask you. And, and this gets into the work of protector care. Yeah. What can people really care about this as an issue? What can they do? What should they do? Well, I think right now, uh, every person that cares about this issue in the country, every healthcare advocate out there should be raising alarm bells about what is happening right now, what the Trump administration and this lawsuit are doing are doing to American healthcare. Because, you know, we need we don't. We haven't had a moment like the the repeal uh, bills and the and the and the McCain thumbs down mm-hmm. vote to really crystallize to the American people. We're doing a bus tour right now, all across the country. Uh, it's called the Healthcare Emergency Tour. The entire topic is the Texas lawsuit. We're not talking about anything else. We're not talking about prescription drugs. Yeah, people don't know. They're it, in court it, trying it, to that, throw that, the whole thing out right now. And and you know what? Public outcry can impact what courts do and i think public i think public concern about the disruption to the market partly is why john roberts voted the way he did in 2012 and so we need people to focus on uh because no matter what if even if we won uh if the affordable care act is ripped apart by the supreme court it will be years before we can repair that damage and and people will die and you know almost certainly and some immediately if that law goes away in one in one fell swoop it is a potential um disaster for so the american you're people issuing a call to arms yes and if they want to pick up arms or take up arms under the banner of protect our care how go to protectourcare.org uh, follow at Protect Our Care on uh, on Twitter. There are all types of ways, um, all types of ways to get involved. We publish the schedule of our bus tour stops, and um, and you know, and you can come out. You can you can hold a sign. You can call a, you know, you can call a legislator. I think you know one of the things is 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 to really show. So it's one is to go really hard against what Trump and Republicans are doing. Another is to show support for Democrats that are in the fight right now. And the ones that we're, that we have a program to support are the ones that were just elected, you know, cause we, mm-hmm. we got to bring them back. Our best firewall against the Donald Trump second term, God forbid, is, uh, is that we maintain the majority in the house. And so, uh, that is another thing that we're really encouraging people to do. If you live in suburbs of Chicago, shout out to Lauren Underwood. If you live in suburbs of Houston, shout out to Colin Allred and Andy Kim in New Jersey and all of these people who are really working hard to, as freshmen to advance the cause of better health care at lower cost and hold the Republicans feet to the fire. That's the call to arms. Brad Woodhouse, keep up the good fight. Yes. Thank you, sir. Appreciate for it. Joining us. And that's it for this edition of the Bill Press Pod on health care. Thanks so much for listening. And we remind you again, it's easy to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you go for your favorite podcasts. And while you're there, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you like what you heard, please give us a five-star rating. That's one way to really help us reach out to more and more people every week. Again, it's good to be with you today. We'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.